0: Hey, y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha, and this is Holic Sisters. True crime shit. Hey, girl,
1: hey. <laughs> what up, what up, what up?
0: So this is different because we can actually see each other this time. Usually yeah. when we're recording, we just do the audio, and so now we can see how lovely we look on this Sunday. <laughs> you can see me <laughs> shove a zebra cake in my face. It's happening right now. So... <laughs> I was going to tell you about something earlier this week and then I didn't. And so I thought I'd tell you now because okay. it was just like a cool little bit of info and also kind of creepy. Um, Yeah. So remember, you remember where I got married? I got married in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say the name of it because I still live really close to it, but it's like this old inn. Like mansion type thing. Yeah. Like it was like an old plantation type inn. Um, yeah. And it had like a very whimsical name. Like we made fun of it and called it the Winkle Bottom Inn, but that's not what it was. (laughs) But anyways, so it's not even close to (laughs) that. Right. So I got married in 07. And since I got married in like 2012, somebody else bought the place and they like did renovations on it. And now they like have like a little coffee shop in there and they do lunches and then they like just like sell cute little stuff like home decor and stuff. And it's really cool. And they're talking about starting doing murder mystery dinners, which I'm very excited about
1: because i will i remember you it. saying that yes so me so and i got super d- jealous and wanted to drive down just to see it right and the drive to her is like nine hours <laughs>
0: <laughs> but just for the murder mystery dinner that would be worth it right Just <laughs> <laughs> for the murder mystery. right so i took my daughter and her friend uh not long ago a few days ago to the coffee shop and just to like look around and stuff And there wasn't, like, anybody in there but us. And so the guy was, like, super nice and, like, giving us a, like, a whole, like, history-type tour of the place. And it was really cool. Well, guess what I found out? So they bought it in 2012. I got married in 07. They bought it, and they started, like, renovating it. You know, like I said, they found under the floors, under the stairs, the bones of three children's bodies. Oh, my God! I got married. There's, like... There was dead baby bones under where I got married. <laughs> Her face. <laughs> that is crazy. So, right. So they like took the bones and they sent them off um, to like the big like crime lab in Mississippi. Well, in yeah. Jackson. So you could try to find out who they were or whatever. Right. So it turns out they were like 150 years old. They think they were like little children that died of yellow fever or whatever. Oh. how crazy and creepy and sad is that? That is not. And it's hilarious because we had the option with like our wedding package to spend the night there.
1: Oh, oh hell no. <laughs> and, that's,
0: and that's what Chris said. He was like, oh, hell no. I'm not staying in this haunted ass place. Like, yeah, well, but
1: knowing your husband too, I'm like, I can see that. Cause oh, that absolutely happened. That, <laughs> that like, absolutely mm-hmm. happened. And I was like, and- it's not haunted. You're being silly. Well. I'm kind of glad we didn't uh, stay in it. <laughs> it's so funny because Chris and Dallas are like the same. He'd be like, oh, hell no. yeah, I'm not staying here.
0: So yeah, that was interesting. And my marriage is based on dead
1: baby bones. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, no. I can't say the same. I can't say the same. I got married in like that a, you know of. No, I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, but I got married in like a old like barn type- building who knows who's been buried under there you know Mm -hmm. it's possible probably a indian reserve
0: (laughs) gosh not really so yeah not really okay so it's my turn this week i'm super stoked you're gonna see how much i do things with my hands now which is weird just like jazz (laughs) handsing into the camera okay so so
1: last (laughs) week you what? (laughs) You're going to see how much I secretly eat while we're doing this. Oh <laughs> nice. Like, this is
0: why I'm so fat. As well, long as you don't do it into the microphone, into my ear holes, I don't care.
1: <laughs> no, I think I'm done. I think the, ze- the zebra cake stuffed me. Oh, good. So we're good. Nothing <laughs> like eating trash.
0: <laughs> I am trashly. So last week you inspired me you did so you covered the broken arrow killings and it was crazy and like i'd never heard of that case before and it got me thinking so like as you know that place didn't happen too terribly far from you it was pretty close to you yeah and so i was like i wonder if there's any crazy interesting cases close to me that i've never heard of so i was like challenge accepted (laughs) so
1: (laughs) challenge accepted
0: to myself because I'm weird and talk to myself (laughs)
1: because I talk to myself (laughs) because I'm unemployed and it's just me it's normal (laughs) it's normal so did a little searching
0: and I found some info on a fella named George Putt aka Buster yeah no that was my face so this case took place in Memphis Tennessee in 1969 okay okay A a lot of people things happened there. In 1969 or Memphis? Just Memphis. (laughs) Good old Memphis. Yeah, so a lot of people mistakenly call 1969 the summer of love. And fun fact, it was actually 1967. A little little bit of hippie info for you. But for Memphis, 1969 became known as the summer of fear. Oh. Because this took place in the summer. So... As we all know, crime is not anything new to the city. Um it's got like a huge history of crime.
1: Memphis has a really high crime rate.
0: Yes. But most big cities do though. Right. It's a big city, yeah. Um just sorry if you hear my washer. Oh gosh. She's it's it's laundry day, guys. It'll be fine. I can't hear it. Okay,
1: good. Um, It's just raining and it's super loud.
0: Oh good. Okay. So let's talk over that. Um (laughs) (laughs) So just one year before this summer is when Martin Luther King Jr. Was assassinated at the Lorraine motel in Memphis. Um, So like they had their share of crime, but even with such a recent high profile (laughs) profile crime um, it was still for the most part, a pretty like peaceful Southern city at that time. Like kids would still like ride their bikes around at night and like people left their doors unlocked and all that
1: stuff. Which I never understand just right, don't. that's insane that. <laughs> <laughs> you know growing up mom and dad used to do that and i i remember constantly locking the doors like lock the doors why why are i you- always locked the doors it was a thing but you know me like when we would go on road trips i was like paranoid about hotels remember so we yes. would never stay in hotels because i've had like panic attacks over it And so instead, cause this is super safe. It's not, this is
0: the worst idea ever.
1: (laughs) Our parents would have to like rest for a couple hours because we got up super, super early in the morning to drive or whatever, or late, late at night or whatever. And uh, so to appease myself, because I couldn't do hotels, they which is rude. <laughs> which is rude because it was not appeasing to anybody else. No, everyone else like was like, I was over here just like, oh thank you. <laughs> thank you. But like looking back at it now, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong? It would literally <laughs>
0: stop at rest stops and sit in the car and
1: just go to sleep. With the doors locked. The it, doors doesn't locked. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the doors are locked. No, it wasn't no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But I'm saying with the doors locked, it wasn't like like, yeah. They would do that and like nobody else would sleep. (laughs) No, we'd
0: all just be awake, like staring out the windows, like somebody's about to walk up and murder us all because samantha can't go into a hotel room
1: (laughs) well it's crazy because like growing up i was like no do you know how many people have gotten murdered in hotels and how much like crime scene stuff that you have to clean up there it's disgusting we'll be sleeping on like dead bodies and stuff like that's what would go through my head right and and so mom and dad were always like no we'll just stay at a rest stop and stuff and i'm like like, do you know how
0: (laughs) and i'm like do you know how many people get killed at rest stops (laughs) I'm not that way now. Okay. The world is (laughs) unsafe. Okay. I'm not that way now. So (laughs) I'm going to get into this. (laughs) George Howard Putt, and I'm going to keep wanting to say Putt. It's spelled P-U-T-T like Putt, Putt, Golf. Oh, okay. But the whole time I was researching it in my head, I kept saying Putt, and I'm like, that's not it. (laughs) So George Howard Putt was known by his friends and family as Buster. He was born in New Orleans, Louisiana in March of 1946. So he had a somewhat troubled childhood. His father, Clifford, was a petty criminal, and one of his arrests included a charge of cruelty to a child in June of 1946. So the child was not quite three-month-old George, and he had been severely beaten with a leather strap.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: So that's not a good start to the world. Um, His mother, Leola, was not much better in january of 1947 so before he was a year old um george was dropped off in tupelo mississippi with a family friend and he stayed there for the next year with no word from his parents like at all like they just dropped their baby off for a year
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like that's cool um
1: that was a parent <laughs> you remember when mom used to drop us off at grandma's in the summer and then just leave
0: <laughs> yeah like every summer as kids we got dropped off for the entire summer like drove halfway across the country and just dropped. <laughs> we're like, um,
1: okay. But also that was
0: like super fun to me. Like as a kid I loved that.
1: I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're just relate we're just relating our parents to serial killers right now except it's they were fine. except they were like great parents. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: fine. So, so that was apparently normal for his parents. They were like known as drifters. Um, and because of that, he and his six siblings weren't allowed to go to school because they were just like moving around all the time
1: awesome
0: so the Putts family continued to move around throughout the southeast until his parents were eventually arrested in 1954 for forgery so like they wrote some bad checks um george was around eight at that time and he and his siblings all moved to north carolina to live with their grandparents so Can you imagine, you know, I had said he had six siblings. Can you imagine being a grandparent and then suddenly having seven grandkids just living with you full time? Yeah. I,
1: if it was our grandma, yeah, no,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like she would have had it. There was lots of times where she had all four of us plus like a bunch of cousins. Yeah. She was
1: good. I'm just like, it just cracks me up because like our grandma wasn't our, wasn't a typical grandma. No, she was an awesome. Like, man. <laughs> well, she and that's she not saying awesome. that all grandmas. And aren't. I don't know why it was because she still is. <laughs> she still, she's still, she
0: yeah. Um, and that's not saying other people's grandmas aren't awesome, but no, ours.
1: but she wasn't like the ones that you read about in like stories where there like, wasn't oh, like a bacon. And, she,
0: right, she wasn't and, like a baking cookies kind of nana. She went to was,
1: church and she owned a bar that we bartender. Well, she's a bar owner. And, Oh, bar owner. Yeah. Sorry. Bar owner slash bartender that kept her grandkids in the back with claw machines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she <laughs> did. Tables.
0: And, yep. And then we would go there when it was closed and it was really fun because we get to play pool, but not with the pool sticks because we might scratch the felt because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> we were that little. Um, anyways, so seven kids all of a sudden, that's a lot of kiddos for a grandma full time. And, unfortunately, George and his brothers were a handful, and they got into trouble, like, all the time. So, in 1957, when George was 11, he and his older brother, Clifford, were arrested for shooting out a neighbor's windows with a stolen air rifle. Yeah, that's not good. Um, at this point, his grandparents were, like, fed up with it. They were like, okay, this is the last straw. So, they sent George and four of his brothers to a rural orphan school. So, Yeah this was a school that enforced fundamentalist religion with like frequent beatings so that's not good um and he did not take kindly to these beatings so he and clifford attempted to run away from the school twice and they always got caught and then after his second failed attempt they were like no that's it and so they expelled him and like returned him to the care of his grandparents so to that his grandparents were like nope and they sent him away to the richmond home for boys So while he was there, he was playing like a football game with a bunch of kids and was kicked in the forehead, knocking him unconscious for several minutes. And it said that he may have suffered permanent damage from that injury. So there's that like childhood head trauma that keeps repeating itself in all the cases. Um, In the months after this head injury, George began sleepwalking with his eyes open.
1: Oh, hell no. (laughs) That's how you get punched. Okay. (laughs)
0: suffering blackouts that ended with violent seizures and throwing furniture and ripping towel rocks from towel racks from the walls and then acting like he had amnesia like he's like oh I don't remember doing that
1: Hmm. he was
0: like I'm sorry I've suddenly got a touch of the amnesia (laughs) like
1: I don't remember. Right, he's holding the rod in his hand. I don't remember doing that. That, I'm like, was he
0: was he really sleepwalking with his eyes open, or was he
1: just like awake and being an ass and pretending like he he was being an ass? Right. I'm gonna tell you right now, if motherfucker would have came near me, (laughs) comes near me with a (laughs) freaking. Um, Towel rack in his hand, sleepwalking with his eyes wide open. I'm going (laughs) to knock him out. Like, bitch, you was awake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, the summer after his injury, Richmond police arrested 16 year old George for attacking two young girls. So, trigger warning one of the girls was stripped naked and forced to perform oral sex on him. And to that, we say, Bite it off. Like if we bite said it, it off once, we said a million times, do that.
1: I don't know um, how many times we have to say it. Bite it off. No. If somebody tries to force, I, I'm sorry, but if somebody tries to force you to do any oral and you don't want to, bite it off. <laughs> bite it the fuck off. <laughs> Happened in
0: my ears. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so. <laughs> after you got
1: teeth for a reason come
0: on (laughs) we're not done (laughs) okay so after this arrest juvenile authorities decided um we should do some psychological testing on him and it said that these tests showed that putt had a morbid preoccupation with blood and gore which i feel like is a huge jump from sexual sexual assault right like yeah like they that escalated quickly. Like they're both bad, but like, like real bad. But that like jumped me. So jump? Yeah. Like I couldn't see any info on why they said that. Like that's just what it they said. I was like, all right.
1: I wonder. I wonder how their testing was though. There's no telling.
0: I mean, it was like yeah. the 50s. So because of this, they considered putting him into a mental institution, and he did not like the idea of that. So one night he decided well, anybody like the idea? Right. Also, why would you like tell him beforehand, be like, hey, we're thinking about putting you in a mental institution? Why do you, want you sleep on that?
1: <laughs> we're gonna put you in a mental institution. What but not thought?
0: yet? Yeah. Tell me your thoughts. We're not gonna do it yet, uh, maybe
1: in a few days. It, you wanna make a pro con list?
0: Yeah. So he <laughs> so one night he just decided to nope the fuck right out of there because he's like, I'm not going to the crazy house. Nope. Um nope. <laughs> So literally one night he made a run for it, dressed only in his underwear for some reason. Like, cause that makes you look not crazy, but yeah. um, Don't think he really thought that one out. He met up with his brother, Clifford. We keep coming back to Clifford. Like they're not good for each other. I feel like.
1: I feel like anybody named, uh, and this is going to sound horrible. And Clifford, I I think, I think Clifford was his
0: dad's name too.
1: It was his dad's name. Yeah. Uh, Clifford, like the when you hear Clifford, like even in the movies and stuff, it's, it's never good. <laughs> it's just never good. See, I just think of Clifford, the big red dog, which is very wholesome. <laughs> I guess that's true. And this is not, wholesome. I mean, there's nothing wrong with anybody that's named Clifford out there. That isn't a serial killer by all means, or doesn't have bad intentions, but you, you're you just, your name is just never good, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's never good when, when it's out there, like in the movies and stuff, but that's okay. My name is always portrayed as like an annoying schoolgirl I was gonna say that, I feel like she's a bit of a biatch <laughs> yeah mine is always that way so don't feel bad we, and, we all got some crazy <laughs> and I'm always a stripper like it's fine
0: crystal chandelier I mean, um <laughs> that is very true actually yeah yeah so <laughs> where was I oh he left in his underwear he met Clifford um So he hid out with Clifford, but only for a few days, because they found him, and they took him back into custody, and they took him to a mental institution, which this place definitely needed to up their security, because he escaped again. And then two weeks after this escape, he abducted a 30-year-old Richmond woman at knife point, robbed her of $35, and then raped her. Right, at 16. So police knew it was him. Like the woman could ID him, and they put a warrant out for his arrest. But this time he left Virginia altogether and then made his way down to Texas. So he's like, "You're not going to catch me!" Ha ha. <laughs> um, <laughs> so not long after getting to Laredo, Texas, he kidnapped a woman at gunpoint and forced her to drive him in his in in her car. Like he was like, "Hey, get in your car. Here's a gun." Um, where was he having her take him? it's not we're not really sure so it said that he was trying to make his way to mexico because his father was there and he was going to try like reunite with him he's terrible why he sounds
1: like a horrible father
0: right but also (laughs) he's kind of a horrible kid so um we don't know for sure if that's what he was doing because this badass woman said not today satan and she intentionally crashed her car so like because he's like holding her gunpoint she was like making he was making her drive she like was like nope and like crashed it so okay so he fled the scene on foot he waited two days and then was like okay let me try that again because he's smart um (laughs) but he's like but i'm going to change it up a little bit this time (laughs) so this time he climbed into an apartment window and abducted a woman that lived there and he like threatened to kill her kids if she didn't like cooperate with him so this time he drove her car instead of having her drive it so like she couldn't wreck it he was like oh i'll drive it but like i'm gonna take her with me like it's like a hostage or whatever um so he's like okay now i'm driving she can't crash the car well this time he
1: did so oh my god <laughs> so he spotted <laughs> it's not- oh, ha, ha. i out fooled you <laughs> <laughs>
0: what happened is he spotted a police car when he was driving and like freaked out and he lost control and like just crash it. <laughs> and then the police car turned around. <laughs> he, well, he like tried to run off after a crash, and the police was like, "No, sir, not happening." Like what? <laughs> so they got him and he was arrested again. So then he spent the next 13 months in the Webb County Webb County jail. That was Webb County. Webb County. Okay. And then he was transferred to a boys' school in Laredo because he's, like, still a minor at this point, like, he's still a child, um, he spent the next eight months there, and then guess what happened?
1: He got out? He escaped
0: <laughs> again, like, he keeps escaping, like, why aren't you not watching him, like, at all?
1: <laughs> he's I going convi- to know how, like, I wanna know how he's like escaping in the first place. Like, is he disguising himself? Is he like Well, waiting? one time he was just in his underwear, so no. I know, <laughs> I just don't understand it. Like, okay.
0: Like, no one's watching him, I guess. He committed he's committed like several violent crimes at this point. Like, why are you not watching him? Keep an eye on him. You got one job. Watch the one job. Watch the criminals. <laughs> Watch the criminals. <laughs> <laughs> so they did catch him again shortly after he escaped. And this time they... Just down the road. Right. So this time they sent him to a more secure facility. And it was called the Hilltop School. One with bars.
1: Right. <laughs> the doors actually locked there? No. <laughs> I mean, I know. We just went over this whole locking your doors and windows. But come on. You got criminals back there. Maybe do it. <laughs> Maybe do
0: it. So he stayed at the hilltop school through his 18th birthday and then they somehow discovered that he had like this secret plot to kidnap the school's librarian and then escape in her car because that's always worked out so well for him you know taking women and escaping in their cars um so they found out about this somehow and they transferred him to an adjustment center for psychiatric treatment which sounds kind of shady to me like okay how do you do this adjusting like what what are you doing yeah so they didn't really adjust him they 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 just took him there and he was diagnosed as quote having the earmarks of a psychopath in in his makeup so they're like okay he's he's a little cray and then the adjustment center was like nope and they transferred him out of there
1: (laughs) oh my god (laughs) right
0: so they took him to the maximum maximum security juvenile center in gatesville texas so he's like really locked up now. So until what he turned, we think. Well, until he turned twenty-one, and then he was just routinely released.
1: Well, yeah, because he's not a minor anymore.
0: Right, despite well, all the.
1: Which gets me, how not eighteen. Was, yeah, not eighteen. I, okay. Twenty-one. <laughs> I'm glad that you. <laughs> yeah, you caught that look because I was like, I mean, technically, you're not a minor after eighteen, right? So, so they like, kept him. Why wait until you're twenty-one. that was just the routine
0: thing despite all the red flags and like all the previous diagnose diagnoses diagnoses
1: all the crazies that he's got all
0: the crazy shit he's done they're like that's all right not my problem now (laughs) so they just released him back out into the world he said bye felicia to texas and he moved to tupelo (laughs) mississippi (laughs) he moved to tupelo mississippi because that's where his grandparents were living at the time which i'm sure they were thrilled about um (laughs) he did not last long in Tupelo. So let me tell you why. He found a job there as an orderly at a hospital.
1: Oh God. Right. Who <laughs> um, hired him with some, that background check? Do they not do background checks? At hospitals, I guess. Not. Oh my God!
0: <laughs> so it didn't last long. Within a few days, he was fired for stealing a hundred dollars from one of the nurses' purses
1: but okay that would be the least of my worries right like
0: he wasn't arrested though because he gave the money back so they like they didn't press charges he's like I'm sorry here here's your hundred dollars and they're like get out of here you um so then (laughs) so then he was like bye Felicia to Tupelo and he moved on to New Orleans he says bye Felicia a lot in this um it was a thing back in the 50s, 60s, you know.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so not long after arriving in New Orleans, um, he was arrested for stealing a checkbook from a hotel room at the Roosevelt Hotel. Which also, that makes me kind of think that Apple didn't fall super far from the tree because his far, parents-
1: Far, far from the tree? It did not far oh. far. It did not <laughs> far far.
0: <laughs> didn't fall that far from the tree because his parents were arrested for like writing bad checks and now he's like stealing checkbooks because he's going to write bad checks with <laughs> um so that's good he got out soon <laughs> are you okay <laughs> I'm sorry my dog
1: stood up and i'm like um she's making weird faces <laughs> should i let him outside <laughs> i don't know where he went <laughs>
0: okay we're back okay mm-hmm. <laughs> so he got arrested for stealing the checks and then he got out soon after and immediately got caught stealing 46 dollars at a cafe and they were like stop stealing <laughs> but just like <laughs> just stop just, doing it just stop but just like the nurse at the hospital he gave the money back to them so they didn't press charges
1: so he like, like just did- clearly if you're just gonna give it back Maybe don't do it. Just don't do it. Like just avoid this
0: altogether. So yeah. Um, he keeps he keeps stealing things and getting caught. And so now he's like, Well, the coppers are on to me. So by Felicia New Orleans. (laughs) (laughs) So he left New Orleans and he drifted on to North Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So not long after moving there, Putt met Mary Ruth Bullimore. And she was an 18-year-old recent graduate of Coldwater High School. And within a few weeks, the two were married, and he ended up back in Tupelo. Yeah. Um, So also, remember his brother Clifford that, like, he would commit all the crimes with when he was younger and all that stuff? me. He's got a father named Clifford and a brother named Clifford. (laughs) Yes. Well, Clifford, Mary, his new wife, was Clifford's ex-girlfriend. And also she was pregnant with Clifford's baby at the time.
1: Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> a hillbilly shit. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so you like, well, so you know, this- do you know how much crap I got when I moved to Kansas from being from Mississippi? Everyone's like, oh yes, yeah, swamp people or hillbilly people, all this stuff. Whatever. I'm like, oh, whatever. And then you hear shit like this. <laughs> So, yeah, he, he's, like,
0: met her and I, and was, like, oh, this is my brother's ex-girlfriend. Let me marry her. I don't know. Like, I don't know how that worked out. Girlfriend, brother's baby mama. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, when she had the baby, they named the baby George Jr.
1: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, so, <Still> Billy.
0: <laughs> like, they're, like, okay. <laughs> I guess they were like, okay, I'm just going to pretend this is yours. This is your baby. So let's name it George Jr. That is not
1: the way to go, ladies. <laughs> that is
0: not the way to go.
1: Let me tell you. Not the best life extreme choices. extreme family drama at Christmas time. Oh my gosh. I have to know what does. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> Walk away.
0: Wow. So, as you might expect, George was not the ideal husband. Um, he Probably was like, like- He was like crazy jealous and like when Mary would talk to any man at all, like anybody, even her coworkers, he would like to
1: my brother.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He would get violent though, like if she talked to anybody that was a man. Um also he insisted on having sex six to eight times a night. So
1: six to eight times
0: a night.
1: I'm sorry but her face her face i'm over here like <laughs> their size was like just try to like put his arm on my shoulder and i'm like don't touch me oh my gosh i'm, like, I'm literally
0: t- sleeping right now i will i will sleep
1: six eight times a <laughs> night i swear to god <laughs> nobody has that stamina
0: no well he yeah it did not work out for him at all um so he got arrested for forcing his way into a woman's car and beating her because he's learned nothing. Like that's what he does. No. When he gets out of jail, he and his brother Clifford move with both of their wives to Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> so I guess Clifford was cool with him marrying his ex-girlfriend and raising his son as his own. Like I guess they were all it's
1: it's, it's all good. she looks so confused I'm over here just like this is this is how you get incest well this is this is how you get on Maury I think this is definitely a Jerry Springer moment right Jerry Springer for sure like (laughs) I'm
0: So they're all living in Jackson all together. This is one big happy family. I don't think they're actually living together, but they're all in Jackson now. Um, it
1: sounds like they're pretty happy, which is real fucked up, <laughs> but all right. I did find- I guess is not big of a deal.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of family stuff, I didn't find a lot of like any real information on this part, but I saw it mention, mentioned in several different articles, but not long after they moved to Jackson in early 1969, he attempted to rape his mother-in-law on three separate occasions that is the correct face for that yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) shortly after the third failed attempt is when it's believed that put committed his first murder so a man was found in his home that was near the gas station where george was working at the time and the man had been stabbed 15 times so george was never
1: charged
0: it's a little excessive and he was never charged for this murder like, they didn't have any kind of like subst- substantial evidence that could prove it was him. He was
1: in his home, right? Do what? You say he was in his home or the man was in his own home? The man
0: was in his own home. He was found in his own home. Oh, okay. stabbed. I was like, why yeah. are
1: you going to tell me he ain't? <laughs>
0: that would be confusing. No, the man was found stabbed in his own home.
1: Okay, (laughs) that's a little bit more. I was like, the fuck! Like, there's there's (laughs) evidence everywhere. (laughs) Shit is happening, right? (laughs) So, um,
0: they couldn't find any substantial evidence, but the authorities were like convinced he had done it. Like, they were like, I know he did it. Whatever. Um, May of 1969, George was arrested for burglary, and he received a six month sentence at the county penal farm for his crime they're like okay you're gonna go to this jail farm and like work for your crime oh and he was like nope not happening so he escaped by literally just driving one of the trucks that was on the farm away like he got in the truck and just drove away
1: <laughs> why did nobody else think of that before <laughs> <laughs> like, what? how is this so smart but so stupid at the same <laughs> it's just a
0: bunch of dumb ass luck i feel like
1: like so stupid but Also, (laughs) again why for thinking
0: about it why is nobody watching him again why is nobody watching him again (laughs) where are the correctional officers so he drives away from the farm he grabs his wife and he's like bye felicia to jackson and then the two of them end up in memphis tennessee which is where his 29 days of terror would soon begin oh god so the couple never really made any friends in Memphis. Um, everybody that met George were just like, oh, he seems odd. Like he would just float around from job to job and he'd never keep a job for very long. Um, he had just been fired from his last job as a gas station attendant for stealing $30 from the cash register.
1: Why right. is it always $30? What's he need that's $30? <laughs> right. It's
0: always less than $50. Like,
1: <laughs> except for that, <laughs> like one time,
0: that-, that-, that one time. That one time he stole 100 from the nurse, <laughs> but he gave it back.
1: But what does he need for thirty dollars? This is multiple times than thirty dollars. The chick he stole money from. One of like them knife. was like one of them was
0: like forty six. But yeah, the knife point girl was thirty. He's like, I really just need less than fifty dollars right now.
1: I love fifty dollars. <laughs> oh, you have two hundred. That's okay. I'll just take. I'll just drink. take
0: thirty. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so, he he worked at the gas station. He stole. He got fired. And then not long after this, on August fourteenth, nineteen 1969, Roy and Bernalyn Duman were at home getting ready to go out for dinner. So Roy was a 58-year-old World War II veteran who was awarded a Bronze Star for combat after receiving a nearly fatal abdominal wound in the war. Okay, so he was like all retired vet. Bernalyn had actually just got home from work. She was a nursing supervisor at Baptist Hospital. And um, she also had served in World War II as a nurse, like during the war. So they were um, getting ready to go out and meet their 22-year-old son, Michael, and his wife, Tanya, for dinner to celebrate Tanya's birthday. Unfortunately, they never made it to dinner. So trigger warning, pretty much from here on out for the rest of the episode. (laughs) So um, George forced his way into their home, and he violently forced Roy into their guest bedroom. He then bound his wrists and ankles together with a pair of suspenders and then strangled Roy to death with a pair of socks. Then he turned his attention to Bernalyn. So she was tied to the bedpost in her bedroom and strangled with her own stockings. And then it's going to get real rough. Um, He proceeded to mutilate and molest her with a pair of surgical scissors. Yeah. Yeah. when he was done doing that disgusting terrible thing he left sort of a calling card that he would use again later he positioned a lamp over her mutilated body so that it would like cast this like weird eerie light on her yeah real weird um after his parents never arrived at the restaurant that they were supposed to meet them at michael went to their home to check on them and unfortunately yeah he did he was the one that found them real real sad that is the worst thing Uh uh-huh so police suspected robbery as the motive because the home had like clearly been like all like ransacked and um her purse was missing and putt would later tell police that he had entered their home with the sole purpose of robbery and that he'd never met them before he knew nothing about them he just like randomly chose their house and was gonna rob it like that escalated a lot from just robbery like He's clearly a pathological liar. A lot. So, fire and police director Frank Holloman said, "He said the uh, the double murder was the most revolting and atrocious crime he had seen in years." And for a little while, Memphis Police Department thought that the crime may be connected in some way to the recent murders in LA of like actress Sharon Tate. But now we know that was like the Manson family that wasn't connected at all or whatever. Yeah, that wasn't, yeah. But at the time they were like, we oh. already knew about that one. Yeah. So that night, George sat calmly and watched the news coverage of the double murder like on TV with his wife. He just like sat there with her and watched on the news. All calmly, no biggie.
1: And like his wife didn't even know.
0: No, she had no idea. So 12 days later, George would strike again. So, Layla Jackson was an 80-year-old widow that ran a four-unit apartment house in the heart of the Memphis Medical Center, like, area. So, um, after her husband died, she had her house converted into, like, four apartments, and she'd rent them out, like, mostly to, like, medical students from the nearby hospitals or, like, at the I was
1: going uni- to say people in, like, college and stuff, because that right. was... That was actually kind of a well-known thing. Um, in that time frame, it wasn't just in Memphis areas. It was all over. So you know how Airbnb is like this big thing now? It was mm-hmm. technically like an Airbnb. They would run it out for a couple weeks or whatever. And right. then, that, so it was an Airbnb, but it wasn't an Airbnb. <laughs> right. It was
0: mainly because there's lots of, lots of downtown. Mm-hmm. There's lots of hospitals. Um, and
1: then the University of Tennessee Medical School is downtown. So like all these oh, med students- say- It's actually been a thing that people have done for, like, well before Airbnb was a big thing. It's mostly in the university, like, campus, where Mm -hmm. housing is around. Um, Lots of people did it. Lots of people. Right. And she,
0: uh, Layla was always, like, super cautious about renting her stuff out. Like, she would really only rent it to, like, med students or, like, really professional people because she was, like, people are scary and creepy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so she was always super cautious even before the Dumos double murders that had just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a few days after hearing about the double murders, she had told a friend that nobody would ever want to rob her because she never kept any money in the house. So about a week before her murder, George had gone to her house and asked about renting an apartment from her. And she was like, no, I mean, like, I don't know if she was full or if she was just like you shady, but she did not. (laughs) Um, and it's unclear if he was really trying to rent a unit or if he was just like stalking his next victim. So unfortunately he returned to Jackson's house on August 25th. Um, he entered through the front door and he tied her up on her bed and then he proceeded to strangle her with the stocking. And then same as before, after strangling her, he went to the kitchen and he found a butcher's knife that he used this time to mutilate her body the same way. Very terrible um and then before leaving her bedroom he placed the butcher's knife on the nightstand beside the bed and positioned a reading lamp over her body in the same like creepy way he had done before like gross um (laughs) when relatives were unable to get a hold of jackson on her phone they sent her grandson to go check on her
1: oh my god
0: yeah so he walked in through the open front door like the door was already open and made the horrible discovery of his grandmother's body um when police arrived the first thing they noticed was the reading lamp that was positioned over her and they were like immediately we know it's the same guy like so later that night george again watched the news with his wife and he said to her he said remember that old lady that i tried to rent the apartment from that mrs jackson remember her well somebody just killed her like that doomist couple there must be some kind of really bad nut on the loose in this
1: town it's you. You have the nut. <laughs> like You crazy little bastard. <laughs> crazy little bastard. You crazy little bastard.
0: Yes. So four days after this, the really bad nut was ready to strike again. Um, oh, there must be some nut on the loose. Yeah. <laughs> so Friday, August 29th, 21-year-old Glenda Sue Harden was leaving work at 5 p.m. She was recently engaged to a man from Ripley, Tennessee, and she was like ready to start her weekend. It's Friday, she's ready to go. She worked as a typist for the Jackson Life Insurance Company that was like in downtown Memphis on Front Street. So, I don't know if you know this. I know this. There's not a ton of parking in downtown Memphis, like at all. Oh,
1: there's not. I knew that.
0: Yes. So, she had to like park her car and then walk.
1: There's a lot of parking garages.
0: There's a lot of parking garages. Yeah. Um, so she had to park her car and then walk to her work. So she was um, leaving work. She had to walk to where her car was parked now. It was parked in like this little parking area on Riverside Drive.
1: Oh, I know there. Yeah, you do. <laughs>
0: you so
1: where Riverside is. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Me too, girl. So um, George Putt was also parked in that landing. So after Glenda unlocked her car and started to get in, George put a knife to her throat and forced her way forced his way into the driver's seat like forced her down into the passenger side floorboard, and like got in um he drove her car to riverside park where he then tied her hands behind her back with her pantyhose he then stabbed her in the head neck chest and back a total of 14 times um he dumped her body in the park like at riverside park and then drove her car back to the landing where he would abducted her took her purse and then drove off in his own car so it wasn't until the next day that her body was discovered in riverside park um and the city at that point is like freaking out everybody's on edge there was very little evidence and memphis pd like ramped up the investigation so they offered a twenty thousand dollar reward to anyone that had any kind of info that could be helpful at all like in solving this case they um even called in the fbi to help them like perform like lab work um so everyone in town was freaked out they're like installing new locks on their doors and they're like becoming super cautious except for george who was now becoming less careful like he was getting sloppy so he waited a couple weeks and then on thursday september 11th 1969 he committed his final murder so at noon christine pickens had just arrived home from work she lived on the second floor of a three, uh, three-story 3 apartment complex, and she worked as a receptionist at a dental office, and it was a Thursday, so they had Thursday afternoons off, and she was, like, actually really excited that this day was a Thursday because it was her 59th birthday, so she's like, oh, I got my, my birthday afternoon off, you know. Um, unfortunately, she came home at a very terrible time. As she got near her apartment door, um, she i lost my spot oh she got home (laughs) to her apartment door and george had just given up on trying to trick one of her neighbors into opening their door for him so he was just like there, trying to like get into somebody else's apartment and they were like no yeah so he saw christine arriving at home and he was like oh here's an opportunity so he forced his way into her home when she like unlocked the door now like i mentioned before he was much less careful today like multiple people had like seen him lurking around the apartment earlier in the day.
1: Yeah, um, so like anybody could identify him.
0: Right. Multiple people like later said, no, we definitely saw him there. Like he was there all day. Um, It was the middle of the day. So
1: yeah, I mean, she got off and home at noon.
0: Right. So when he pushed her into her apartment, she began screaming at the top of her lungs. Um, Her neighbor, Emma Gross, Grosset? it's got an E at the end of it. Um she was a nurse that lived in the apartment directly above Christine's apartment. So she's like upstairs and she's getting ready for work and she hears her screaming and she comes running down to help her. Now it's really sad because she says she could hear Christine yelling. It, she was saying "murder murder no don't don't kill me don't do it." Like that's really sad. <laughs> um also I don't think I would yell murder but I don't know cuz I'm not getting murdered.
1: Yeah. I feel like
0: I'd be like help or just screaming. But I don't-
1: Murder would be the first thing. Yeah, right. I'm screaming for my life. It wouldn't be murder, murder, <laughs> right? Like that seems like a very made up thing, <laughs> right? No, <laughs>
0: That that I would do. I'd be like, <laughs> you're right. So, but uh, when Emma made it downstairs, George was standing in Christine's doorway. He was covered in blood. He was holding an ice pick in one hand. Yeah. And one of Christine's stockings and also Christine's purse. So instead of attacking Emma when he saw her, he was like, the jig is up. And he like threw Christine's purse. <laughs> like literally, he like saw her, he throws the purse and he like takes off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Chris, Christine's screams had also caught the attention of another neighbor named Wayne Armstrong. So he had been asleep at this time um i think he had like a night job and like slept in the day or whatever so he had been asleep he wakes up to these screams and he ran out of his apartment with his handgun dressed only in his underwear because that's a theme (laughs) right (laughs) um and he decided he like proceeded to chase george like in his underwear while firing his gun at him through the apartment parking lot (laughs) So this is like a cartoon at this point. Dude's like
1: definitely George
0: (laughs) George is like the jig is up and takes off running. And then a neighbor like runs after him is like shooting everywhere. Like this is a cartoon. So
1: that's not how that works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So during this crazy chase, (laughs) George left the ice pick with Christine's stocking hanging from it, like embedded in the wall of a different apartment building he was like let me dump this evidence here right (laughs) nobody will know so
1: (laughs) right he's just like let me just eat
0: this ice pick this bloody ice pick um so now there's like this huge ruckus (laughs) two more people ended up joining in the chase and like there's gunshots just like going off everywhere
1: chasing after this guy that's in underwear (laughs) that's shooting at the right they're like well maybe we should they're like maybe we should be running too. So everybody take your clothes off. Right. <laughs> we're going streaking. Oh shit, I don't have a weapon. Here, Ooh. let me just grab this bloody
0: ice pick. Right. you. <laughs> so eventually this chase got the attention of some police that were nearby so they were like hey y'all wait up and they joined the chase too <laughs>
1: hey, y'all, this sounds like a job for law enforcement <laughs> right
0: <laughs> so george scaled a six foot tall barbed wire topped fence in this chase by climbing over like he climbed on top of a parked truck and like used that to like yeet himself over this barbed wire fence on a barbed wire fence that's yeah. All po- yeah like yeah so he like jumped over the fence and um
1: balls i hope so
0: (laughs) he then jumped over the overpass at madison and i-240 and ran down south down like the unfinished interstate it was unfinished at the time yeah so he had actually like by jumping this fence and all that he actually like had shaken the pursuers like he was like getting away and then police officers glenn Noblin and phil scruggs saw him with his pants and his arms like covered in blood and they were like that's super suspicious." like
1: better grab this guy (laughs) so he's got kool-aid all over him (laughs) (laughs) so they saw him and they're
0: like "Mm, guy and they arrested him um unfortunately while this crazy chase was going on christine had died from her stab wounds so he he had stabbed her with the ice pick 20 times 20 times it's a little much so george confessed to the murders like really soon after his capture he's like yeah i did it um (laughs) he he said (laughs) he's like the jig is up coppers are on to me mercy um (laughs) (laughs) he said his motive had always been robbery but then he was like well i can't leave a witness behind that can id me so they would like id me and i go back to prison and then i just have to escape easily again so i need to kill them (laughs) Um, and he said that his victims were always picked randomly. So his wife, Mary Putt, learned the identity of the Memphis serial killer the same way everyone else in town did. She saw it on the evening news.
1: Of course. <laughs> Watching
0: the news, she's like, Oh shit, my husband murdered five people.
1: Like <laughs> Oh shit. Little George Jr. over here is gonna have to grow up without <laughs> his uncle father. <laughs> <laughs> his <uncle's> father. <laughs>
0: Oh, I, should probably, I should probably change his name.
1: <laughs> it's the truth. Uncle it is. <laughs>
0: his Uncle Father. So he later recanted his confession, but like that didn't matter because everybody saw him in the middle of the day. Break yeah, into no, <laughs> yeah, like everybody saw you. Like it happened. So he was charged with the murder of Christine Pickens and he was sentenced to death okay well in 1972 the supreme court ruled the death penalty unconstitutional and his sentence was commuted to 99 years in prison they're like can't kill him stay 99 years in prison well prosecutors were Mm -hmm. like hold up (laughs) that means he could be eligible for parole in 1999 so they decided to try him also for the double murders of roy and Bernalin. so um they tried him for that. He was convicted, and this double conviction added 398 years to his prison sentence. And the judge, who I love his name, his name is judge William H. Williams. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Who names their child William
0: Williams? <laughs> William, uh, Judge Thomas Thomas. Like what? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Judge William yeah, H. It.
1: It's not like he married into that name. It's William Williams.
0: <laughs> that was that's what what his name was. Yeah. <laughs> so he ruled that the sentences were to be served consecutively for a total of 497 years. So this meant that his sentence would officially expire on March 1st, 2437. <laughs> <laughs> so he could get out then. Um, according to several witnesses. Putt giggled when the judge announced his sentence. Hell no. <laughs> right. And in an interview with a Memphis magazine on the 20th anniversary of the murders, Putt showed no remorse. He said, Quote, I think where I'm at now is where I'm supposed to be. If it meant me understanding to get where I'm at mentally and spiritually, I'd do it all again. Right? Spiritually in prison? <laughs> yeah, he needs to be mentally and spiritually in prison. And so he, j- he would just murder all those people again so he could be there so putt died october 26 2015 at the age of 69 of natural causes i didn't really say what or somebody um, got
1: with an ice pick
0: <laughs> no one came forward to claim his body because he's a garbage person so he was given a state burial and that is the story of memphis serial killer george putt
1: i did not know that
0: one i did not either which is crazy and it was super interesting and it sounded very made up
1: there's so much underwear (laughs)
0: like why why was there so much underwear (laughs) underwear.
1: also uncle brother or uncle uncle
0: uncle fathers fathers. father uncles uncle Uncle fathers no it'd
1: be uncle father for sure yeah uncle first hillbilly shit so Um, yeah
0: that's it that was my crazy weird story speaking of stories we, we came up with a little idea. Actually, a friend of mine brought it up to me. My friend Dana was like, hey, y'all should do this. And then she told me. And I was like, yes, we should. <laughs> then I told Samantha.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we'd actually been thinking about doing it anyways. But so
1: I had a few different ideas going back and forth. So but- we,
0: we want to do start being able to do like in the near future, um putting out like listener stories so it'd be like super cool if you guys could like write in any kind of any kind of like true crime related stories that you have that like happened to you or happened to somebody you know or anything like that um because we want to like get them all together and make an episode of that we feel like that'd be really cool
1: True crime paranormal anything
0: yeah anything cool creepy we'll
1: paranormal too yeah we like paranormal we cool, like
0: creepy paranormal. so yeah um send I mean, us those. Like, like, so
1: crystal crystal got married with dead children.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh not on purpose, by the way. <laughs> uh, so creepy. Anyways. <laughs> so if you could get that together and like send it to us, you can send it to our email, Sarah Holic uh, at gmail.com.
1: Or drop it as a uh on our website.
0: Yeah, we have a little spot for like you can send us like comments and like contact info and all that stuff um if you if you do it like in the email or I guess in the comments like put listener tail at the beginning of it so then we'll know
1: yeah for sure so like make your subject listener tail and then give your name and your information if you don't want your name and you want it anonymous that's fine you can also do that but say
0: don't don't read my name and hopefully we won't we can edit it if
1: we do accidentally (laughs) (laughs) Just, just send us some stuff Just send us some stuff. We're uh, currently still working on our Patreon too. So be on the lookout for that. Yes, we will figure that out and it'll be awesome.
0: So we want it perfect. (laughs) So follow us on all the stuff. Check out
1: our website. Send us your listener tales. You can follow our uh, Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. Uh, It's actually, the link is on our website. So just go to serialholicsisters.com. There you go. I think that's it. Yeah, let's be awkward. Let's be awkward. Okay,
0: bye. Okay, bye. Bye.